What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Pardon the Disruption. I am your host, Matthew Potter. Glad to have you here on a Thursday. It's nice to see that we started kind of on time. Um, real quick, um, just about me. I am your short sale expert, hedge fund connection, and also the the co-founding member of the family tree over at Real Brokerage. If you are interested in finding out more information, go ahead and hit me up on Instagram. For those that are just tuning in for the first time, let me go ahead and explain how we do things around here. There are a total of six questions, five are pre-selected, one comes from our audience, and you can comment on YouTube, or you can text in your question at, at 33777, and we will go ahead and put that in there for our panel to go ahead and answer. Each guest will get 45 seconds to go ahead and answer. After that, we have two minutes of discussion, and then points will be awarded after afterwards. Um, in the event that I can't make a decision, I will go ahead and bring it to all you lovely people. Real quick, uh, we're going to go ahead and introduce our panelists. We're going to start off with our fearless leader, Steve Trang. Go ahead and tell us about yourself. Yeah, Steve Trang, Real Estate Disruptor, has been doing this for coming up on 16 years now. It's kind of scary when you think about it. So lots of failures along the way we get to share about. So shiny object syndrome, everything real estate except for property management, we are involved in one way or another. Absolutely, Steve. We stay away from the PM. Next up, we have Eric Brewer. Go ahead and tell us about yourself, boss. Uh, real estate investor, sales coach, been in the business since February 2006. Um, currently teaching and have about 350 people enrolled in our Brewer Method Academy that we're helping learn novations um, to pivot away from selling exclusively to cash buyers in this market and to learn how to take your wholesale deals and sell to retail buyers without any renovations. So excited to be here today. It's good to see RJ back. Haven't seen him in goodness four weeks or so. So um hoping uh chris's camera shuts off maybe again this time or loses his mic to give me an opportunity to get a w and uh that's all i have for today just coming out of the gate swinging eric over there love that we have the uh, old school camera angle back love you know, the top of your head hopefully uh the guys can fix that next up we have rj bates his pto was approved so he's going to be joining us today tell us about yourself rj yeah rj bates the third out of fort worth texas my company's titanium investments uh we are a nationwide virtual wholesaler we actually do that. It's not just a made up term like CJ likes to say. Um, <laughs> excited to be back here. I'm part of the disruption. Uh, it has not been four weeks. It's just been, well, I took one week off. So I don't know what Eric's talking about, but uh, excited to be back and uh, looking forward to today's panel. <laughs> Last but certainly not least, we have our reigning champion coming to us. Uh, looks like he finally got his dial up fixed. CJ, talk mm -hmm. to us. Yeah, no. Nah, first, first things first, I guess. Um, was there was there an intro training class that, that happened that I missed that I wasn't invited to? Uh, everybody sounds sharp today, so it's good to see everybody here. Uh, Chris Jefferson, Richmond, Virginia, charged up University, the U. Uh, I teach people how to get started in wholesaling, how to get their business more consistent and do more deals. And uh, I do wholesaling nationwide as well. Happy to be here. Happy to win again. Potter, I see you went through the training program over there, man. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Well, CJ, I mean, I think just because your internet is a little bit better today is why you're able to pick up all the words. <laughs> That's probably it. That's probably it. 
All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna go ahead and start it off. They did give me the soundboard this week, so you will start after you hear, and then you will stop when you hear. CJ, I'm looking at you. <laughs> All, All right. right, starting it off. Which athlete mirrors you as an entrepreneur? Steve, go ahead and start us off. Uh, so I think if I was going to pick an athlete, I would actually go to Rudy. You know, I don't have all the natural skills you would say. Right? Like, you don't look at Steve and say, like, man, this guy has all the makings of an excellent entrepreneur. So I, I am able to accomplish what I accomplish because I will outwork anybody, right? I will put in the work. I will go to scrimmage. I will go to practice. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get after it every single day. I don't have the charisma, the charm, the the... the the smile, well, right, to win business. I am going to work for everything I got. So if I got to pick an athlete, I would go with Rudy. <laughs> Yo, RJ, man. <laughs> Did I still RJ's answer? All right. Um, I, I, I could see it. All right, Eric, go ahead. Go ahead, <laughs> go ahead and tell I, us what, what athlete are you modeling your life after? I'm good. Well, uh, unintentionally, I think the first half of my career was very Dennis Rodman-ish, um, sort of a winner, uh, had a bit of a lifestyle that, you know, um, ran at both ends. I was a hard worker and I spent a lot of time unwinding, um, almost right until I had to be back at work um, for the majority of the beginning of my career. Now I'm more like a mono Gioli, right? Like got a little bit of a receding hairline, still <laughs> make the best use of my minutes, um, still winning, right? Just slightly different approach to the game, um, and uh, occasionally come up, you know, with a, a pulled muscle. So, beginning <laughs> my career, Rodman, back half, Mono Ginobili. All right, I see it, especially the hairline part. All right, RJ, easy, easy. what? Who are uh, who? Who are you going to go ahead and go with for your athlete that mirrors you as an entrepreneur? Listen, I'm just so impressed that Steve said Rudy, man. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, no, I, listen, this is kind of like the Avengers question from a, a month ago. Uh, there's so many that I couldn't pick one, so I'm just going to go with my top four. Uh, <laughs> we have a hard stop. Wait, we have a hard stop. <laughs> Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Wayne Gretzky, and Usain Bolt, okay? Because I absolutely <laughs> dominate. All I do is win. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a... I'm I'm a cleaner. That's that's my personality. So who do I want to mirror? Who do I? I those are the guys. The guys that go out and all they they have a an appetite that is only satiated by winning, and that's who I am. So I'm gonna go with those guys. I'm definitely not gonna go with Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last last but not least, CJ, who you got? Yeah, all I can see in my head is just that scene when Rudy walked in the stadium, <laughs> and uh, he finally got a chance to play in the game, and it was just a it's just a magical moment. But uh, for myself, look, I'm gonna say Kobe Bryant. Shout out to my guy EB as well. Uh, look, Kobe for sure, man. Just you know, I respect Kobe's game. I respect his dedication and craft. Uh, how he took such an approach to the skill set and the art form of what he did, uh, and he consistently. I uh, wanted to get better uh, at each at each weak point uh, in his game, and I definitely would say that's something I mirror for sure. Yeah, I love that RJ went with the humility of like I have the athletic genes of Usain Bolt, <laughs> and then added additional greatness to it. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, listen, that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to mirror. 
And and that's what I'm going after is to be the best. Just like CJ said, listen, Kobe would be up there for me as well. I absolutely love Kobe. Um, I, I think his attitude towards everything that he did was amazing. And also, is my audio better now? You sound great, man. Marginally. <laughs> Respectfully. Respectfully. <laughs> no, nobody else is going to expand on this? Like, we're, we're done with this question? I mean, I, I, I like that. Actually, I thought Steve was a little arrogant to go with Rudy, honestly. <laughs> It's a bit of a bold statement for him to think that those two are in the same class. But listen, <laughs> I think it's good. We would call that, uh, in, in my line of work, Steve, we would call that a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. That should be on your vision board, should be a picture of Rudy. That's like, be your future self now is what I I love that I mean. Eric went with, with Rodman in the first half, not, not late Rodman, right? The because if yeah. you look at the the image I have for Eric in my my profile photo, like you can see, Eric's really more like Rodman the late years, or maybe even right when he retired. It's kind of how I picture Eb. Yeah, I, I see Eric is is Rodman when he met Madonna. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I, I could... not the Carmen years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he hasn't been the same since. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just based on the absolute epicness of the answer, we are going to award that round to Steve. Like, way to go, Rudy. We always root for an underdog. We're super excited for you. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. the support, Eric. That that, that head shake. I appreciate that support. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In true Rudy fashion, you should have came in fourth. Like, if you were really in, if you were in character, you would have come in last. <laughs> Hey, leave, leave Rudy alone, all right? All right. All much. right. Ne next up, how did your childhood background influence your mentality and work ethic as an entrepreneur? Steve, start us this off. Uh, so I'll just, you know, share a couple of things, right? Like, you know, coming here as an immigrant, uh, born in a refugee camp, but I think there were certain elements where, like, the American dream actually meant something to us. You know, we came here to this country to pursue the American dream, and we went after it. And this is something I actually shared privately with Chris, so this is gonna, might trigger some people here. But growing up, my parents pulled me aside. I was like, look, we live in a white man's country, and you're going to have to work harder, right? Do not settle for excuses. Do not accept not getting what you deserve, but you're going to have to work harder if you want to accomplish something here. So I would say those two things put a chip on my shoulder. So going back to that Rudy comment, I think those two things added a lot. Uh, to the work ethic. Okay. All right. All right. Steve's trying to get us in the fields. What you got, Eric? Yeah. You know, one thing I've realized about myself um, as I started to get older, I would reflect on the reason um, that I would do certain things. And the one thing I think that started off in my childhood as being difficult, where my mom had went through a, a number of different relationships. I went to seven different schools between kindergarten and ninth grade. And I constantly was the new kid. And for those of you that are, you know, um, young enough to remember when we were going through school, like being the new kid at school was a, a major, major event, right? Like, so I constantly had to make new friends. And I think it was the one thing that when I eventually made the decision to get into sales, I didn't have this sort of uh, fear of talking to new people because 
as I grew up and constantly was the new kid, the quicker I could make friends, the quicker I would be invited to the birthday party or the basketball game, or I felt accepted. So it gave me, I think, a significant advantage once I got into business that that fear of starting a conversation with a complete stranger, um, I didn't have to deal with because I had done it all through my youth. Learn the skills young. All right, RJ, what about you? Yeah, I, I grew up in a family where my dad worked from the lowest level in a corporation all the way up to vice president. And he was given the choice to take a, a buyout or potentially get a raise. And I remember how heavy that weighed on him. He took the buyout um, and he started his own business. And that happened when I was nine years old. And I remember thinking to myself, seeing the impact that that had on my family and the choice that my dad made to become an entrepreneur, that at that moment, I knew at some point in time in my life, I was gonna control my own destiny by being an entrepreneur. And so moving forward, that has always been the end goal for me to be able to create my own reality and be an entrepreneur. Love it, love it. CJ. Yeah, my mom used to tell me all the time, like, hey, look, I'm raising you to give your family a better life than I was able to give you. Uh, I grew up upper middle class. Uh, you know, both my parents did very well for themselves, uh, but they both came from extreme poverty. They both had to work themselves up in the deep south as black Americans uh, to achieve what they perceived to be the American dream. And uh, they were very intentional about making sure that we were aware of our family history, where our families came from, the environments that many of our family were in. Uh, many people that looked like us, you know, were also in. And so I think what it's done for me as I've gotten older, as I've been able to grow my own business and, and be able to support myself, it's been able to teach me very, you know, very specifically uh, to not forget other people, not to make sure, or to make sure rather that I reach back and impact others and give opportunities and open doors uh, where I'm able, uh, or like I do for my people, man, kick in the door and let them in. Go ahead and discuss. Yeah, I, th I think the general conversation is really all the same, right? It's like, I think the, the message to me is childhood does shape your, your perspectives. It shapes how you attack. It shapes how you look and interact with other people. Uh, I moved around a bit, so I understand exactly what Eric's talking about in terms of having to get into different environments and, and, and know how to talk to people and have conversation. Uh, that's something that's not talked about enough anymore. But yeah, that skill set that you get just knowing how to have a conversation with a stranger is important. And I think like that was the positive for me, right? And with the limited time I had before the buzzer came in, uh, I couldn't get the, the the downside of that for me is I wish I cared less about what people think, right? So when you're constantly trying to make new friends, you're in this, like I would move, the, the, the reason I moved is because each time we moved, we moved into a nicer house and a better situation. So like when I started the first school I went to, I dressed a certain way, I acted a certain way. And when I went to the, the second, third or fourth school, that became less popular, right? Because I moved from one area of town to a different area of town. And it forced me to always like, hey, should I be who I am or should I try and fit in? And the downside for me is I believe one of the things I'd like to change about myself is that I cared less about what people think. But I'm on the fence about that. I don't know that that's necessarily as much of a character flaw as it gets chalked up to be, um, as long as it's managed correctly. But for me, the downside was that always needing to make new friends made me super conscious of what people think. And sometimes that could be a detriment, not, you know, um, a positive.
Yeah, and just to add to what Chris was talking about, I'm just going through a book right now, uh, Anti-Fragility, and he talks about, there's a new word I heard, you know, because we're always talking about post-traumatic stress and this, like, how we respond to negative events. And what we're talking about here, I, I would uh, apply a newer word I learned from, uh, from that book, which is uh, post-traumatic growth, right? Like, we always say trauma leads, like, we always, always has this negative connotation, but, like, the things that happen to us can cause us to step back or a step forward. And what we're talking about here is, you know, I, I would argue is post-traumatic growth. I like that. Yeah. Steve's trying to bring it home strong there. Um, <laughs> I am going to go ahead and agree with my bald brother over there, Eric Brewer on the board <laughs> with a point. Um, uh, it just, it resonates and I, I understand it completely and feel that you just, you got a, you got a skill there that ultimately maybe you weren't trying to uh, create, but ultimately look at what it's done now. So Eric gets the point that go around. Hopefully CJ and RJ decide to step up their game and play with us. So here we go. Number three, is there a day that you get where you finally feel you made it and you're not worried about every instance of your business? Start us off, Eric. Well, I haven't gotten to that day yet. And I don't know that it's defined by success, right? Like we all imagine this time in the future, this destination, however we define that, whether it's money or a house or kids or a marriage. And if I look back over my career, I've achieved a lot of those milestones that I thought one day would mean that when I got there, I'd be content. And I found that I was just moving on to the next bigger thing or the next opportunity or the next business or hiring more people, creating more opportunities. So I think for me, um, I don't know that I, I can see a, a time in the future where I would not necessarily worry, but pressure myself to try and do more. And with five soon to be six kids, a lot of my success will be based on when my children's children's children have the opportunity to rest and not worry. So I got four generations of people to be concerned about. And I think it'll take me up to my dying days to be able to provide the opportunity for them that will eliminate a lot of worry and um, pressure for them. Very well thought out there. I, uh, I enjoyed listening to that. What you got, RJ? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, if you're Steve, it's just when you get in the game because he's Rudy, so that'll probably be the name. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but I, I agree with Eric. You know, I mean – for, for me, no, I don't see that day coming anytime soon because of what our goals are to accomplish or my individual goals to accomplish, even if it's, hey, we're not worried about each little individual transaction or, or each little move that is made on a day-to-day -day basis. It's just we're, we're elevating our thought process as an entrepreneur inside of our businesses. And so I don't see that day coming any day soon. And also because I don't want it to, like, I enjoy being an entrepreneur. I, I enjoy continuing to grow. So I don't want that day to come anytime soon. Thanks for those thoughts. You saying, uh, Gretzky, we appreciate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> CJ, what about you boss? Yeah, I don't think it ever goes away. I, I did a two hour call with my students on Monday around this topic. And you know, the reality of it is I think people perceive people with more, to not be worried or think there's some landing spots you get to and everything's fine at that point. But I can speak for, I think everybody up, up here, right? Like as entrepreneurs, you're fighting a battle against yourself on a daily basis. And you're having to tell yourself your own hero's journey story 
uh, every time you're in a rut, every time a deal falls through, every time something doesn't go the way that you want. Because like Eric said, you're constantly pushing and stretching yourself to get to that next desired level. And to get to the next level, it takes uncomfortableness. If not, if you're not willing to get uncomfortable, you're going to be stuck at whatever spot that you're at right now. With four seconds I think the important spare. thing and what crowd you saw. I don't need to talk. So go ahead, Eric. I don't need to talk. It's fine. Right. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, Steve, <laughs> what what are what are your thoughts? I mean, I think this is the aspiration we generally have, right? Like the idea is a lot of us were uh, attracted to the four hour work week, right? By Tim Ferriss. I think that the idea is that we want to get to a point where we're in the owner's seat and the business runs by itself. Can we truly ever get to owner seat where you're never involved? I think that's probably more fiction than reality. But we, we can get to a point, ideally, where you can run your business on a few hours a week. You know, if you can look at it at a high level and you, if you're running the business the way I would like it for it to run, I believe that we can instill leaders that can manage all the day-to-day -day stuff, right? And you can focus on the bigger things should you want to do bigger things. I think one of the things we also have to be careful of is always wanting more. And this is a, a struggle I have, right? But exercising restraint. It's probably my greatest weakness is exercising restraint. But I think that at some point we have to look to see that, you know, we, we create a business that doesn't rely on us. I apologize. So, yeah, we, we, the goal is we all want to build a business where it does not rely on us. Is it pursuing more? Or is it just who we are? Right. Like, I don't know that it's always more at, at, at many points. You can have enough. I think sometimes our chemical makeup especially as entrepreneurs is just to be in pursuit of new ideas that we can curate things that we can make happen, you know, impact that we can, you know, have and change that we can create. Uh, and that, that takes risk that takes, you know, uh, intentionality and different things that are going to, are going to cause stress factors in your life, regardless of how you approach it. Well, and that's kind of like what we talk about. Like, so on Fridays, we talk about certainty talks have Paul Sparks here and we talk about like, you know, when, it's not so much like when's enough enough It's really more like, is this really necessary? It's me conquering more, doing more, proving myself more necessary to help me get closer to the goals I've said are important to myself. Like the classic example, right? Is the guy that says, I want to spend more time with my family, but yeah, he's traveling all across the country. Like, well, what is it? I want to spend more time with my family. Or I want to travel across the country. And at some point you need to have clarity on figuring out like, is it, is the cost of me doing this more, in alignment with my goals and like you know there's a i kind of shared with this before right the sad story like you know you you work hard you sacrifice and when it's ready to celebrate you know the the spoils of victory your kids don't want to spend time with you right so i think there's a lot of like analysis of, of of whether more is really in alignment with what you said that you want Real quick, if nobody else has something, you know, I, I pose this question, right? Because this conversation came up because I think a lot of people that are new to business or, or new to real estate for that matter, um, they they think they're in a fight to get to some level with where things become easy, where they're not stressed anymore, where they can live and think comfortably and things of that nature. And so my, my point is simply that part doesn't exist, right? Like uh, there's, there's, you know, there's market changes happening right now. We would all be lying if we would sit here and say that there's not some concern or stress factor that the market places on us, regardless if we're excited about it, this, that, and the third. Yeah, I don't think you got a buzzer working right now. And so what, 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 tends, <laughs> what tends to happen is simple, right? Like you have to continue pressing forward regardless of where you're at in the particular moment.
that that is a great closing thought right there cj um on this one i'm gonna go ahead and take it to the people uh the people have ultimately voted for mr nine to five rj bates the on the board for rj uh hopefully our reigning champion can go ahead and get on the board as well uh before the end of the show um you know just gonna throw that out there real quick before we get to our next question i'm gonna toss it over to steve for an announcement from our sponsors steve yeah so with capital thinning in today's market it's crucial for real estate investors to build relationships with reliable lenders to access the capital that they need where kiavi comes in uh, whether you're flipping houses or investing in rental properties, Kiavi, Kiavi offers fast approvals, high leverage, and reliable capital to close more deals in any market environment. Through their easy online process and dedicated support, you can access the flexible loan options to help you scale your business confidently. Go to kiavi.com slash real estate disruptors to learn more and download your prequal in minutes. Terms and conditions do apply, so go to kiavi.com for further details about potential loan options. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. We appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. I would just like to go ahead and take this moment to let everybody know this is the first time in the history of the show that we are actually on schedule. Um, You're welcome. (laughs) Question number four. This one I've been waiting for. I'm excited for this one. With the Oscars coming up, what award are you going to give each panelist? Start us off, RJ. Yes, baby. Okay, so best director goes to Steve Train for putting us all together. Um, that's really all he's done as far as part of the disruption goes. So that's <laughs> best cinematography goes to Eric because we all enjoy the awkward angle of seeing his head. Best actor goes to CJ because sometimes he actually says stuff and you think he might actually know something. Like he might actually be a successful entrepreneur which is very impressive. And last but not least, best voiceover, because it's not an actual Oscars uh, category, but I sort of think it goes to Matt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was outstanding, RJ. That was outstanding. All right, CJ, what awards are you passing out to the panelists? What you got for us, boss? Yeah, look, uh, best supporting role by far, RJ Bates, the third. <laughs> Uh, I appreciate you being my supporting actor, man. You're the you're the the Robin to my Batman, uh, and it, and it looks great on you. All right, it looks really good on you. Uh, best costume design, uh, and and this is a tie for best cin- cinematography as well. Shout out to Eric Brewer. All right, UV, uh, this the the blazers, the sport coats are just, I mean, look, they're 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 just gorgeous costumes, uh, and and the picture quality that he shows up with on a week to week basis is is. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, is this like 20 K this guy has, I, I don't know. Uh, best director I'm going to give and best makeup to Steve train. I mean, he's always over there. Uh, the light is just perfectly hitting his skin. Uh, he's always uh, directing. He's got you guys in intro training now uh, and all these different things. So shout out to you guys. Uh, and last but not least, I just want to get this honorable mention in as well. Uh, although he's not here with us at the moment, I know he's watching shout out to my guy. Uh, Leon G. Barnes, all right, best supporting actor uh, as well. All right, he's always willing and able to come and step in, uh, support and help the show, help people out. Uh, so big, big shout out to Leon G. Barnes. Um, but that that's those are my answers. That's what I got. Yeah, you did not follow the instructions, CJ. Only current panelists. That's what we were looking for there. <laughs> Sorry, negative four points. 
All right, Steve, what awards are you passing out? And these better be good. I don't know if I'm going to be able to match RJ's, but I mean, I would say for sure, and I'm be making some of these awards up, you know, I would say for RJ against Best Supporting Actor, right? Because, like, <laughs> I love that he takes the time to come here onto this show in addition to his other major responsibilities that he apparently <laughs> owned, right? But you know what? We all think we're the boss until we're not, right? It's okay, RJ. Uh, I would say uh, best new star, best rising star would be Eric, right? Going from being a complete nobody to, you know, a, a, a stud on this show, I think is, is absolutely remarkable. And then I'm going to put uh, best documentary best documentary for, for CJ because he takes like an hour to say something that could be said in like about 20 seconds. So I think there's that. And then ultimately best, best uh, uh, six man of the year award is Leon, right? He's always there whenever we need him. He comes in in the, the clutch, warmer. right? Lo lovely on. So there's those are the awards. All right, Eric, take us home. What awards are you passing out? So I would say I actually have two for Steve. Best screenplay. He put the whole idea of this show together. I think we've all enjoyed watching it unfold. He had the idea. I remember talking to him um, about it, the idea that he had and trying to put the, the roster together. So I was there and was able to, to see it sort of, um, unfold. I also have him down for best actress. If anybody wants an explanation on that, um, I can give you that offline <laughs> prefer not to do that here, but I have pictures to prove it. <laughs> um, I would go to Potter. Uh, the guy keeps it all together, right? Like had a change in, in guard there, done a good job stepping in and, uh, keeps everything. I'm sure with the team behind the scenes, making sure that majority of the time the audio and visual um, actually works. Best documentary, RJ. He's got a lit TikTok, dude. The guy literally just <laughs> makes 7 million cold calls um, a day, it seems like, and documents it. No filter at all. Um, and then I got best actor, CJ. We talked about last week how he's been innovating in artificial intelligence for years now, he creates <laughs> perception, and he has artificial intelligence where everybody's all excited about it. Uh, I don't see the big deal of news to me. So yeah. that's all I have, man. Yeah, Chris has been working on it for 20 years. <laughs> hey, I left one out, and I apologize. Uh, shout out to Potter. I didn't too have late, an award bro, for you. Late. Yeah, no, no, I didn't have an nah, award for you. I didn't have an award for you. Late now. Respectfully. I had you, I had you down, respectfully, I had you down as Chris Rock <laughs> with the Oscar slap. <laughs> when, when Smith took the stage, hey, keep the you out your mouth. Not just playing. <laughs> hey, CJ, how's it feel that you won Best Actor twice for for not being you know, it's funny, man. It's, I appreciate that question, RJ. You know, generally speaking, the Best Actor column; those are the guys that make the most money. I like it. I like it. There you go. There you go. Ben City over here. That's great. <laughs> all right so that was everything that i was hoping it would be and more actually um that being said i might you know, actually uh sorry i'm gonna interrupt you here i apologize no, no, no. um you know because eric was saying uh eric was saying that you know we were involved in that conversation you know i reached out to all three of these guys uh, about like hey here's what i want to do here's the cast i'm put together what do you guys think uh, and you know fortunately you guys all said yes and Eric's like, why do you want to call it part in the interruption? Why don't you call it part in the disruption? It's like, man, I like that. Yeah, so no. I'm glad right? Steve said that. I didn't want to toot my own horn, so I'm glad that I can count on him to do that. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. It just kind of 
came about and you were like, oh yeah, it sounds awesome. Let's do it. I like it. A absolutely. Um, I see that Steve was trying to slide in right there, try to go ahead and curry some favor with the judge over here. That being said, going to go ahead and give that one to uh, Eric uh, Brewer. Thank you for the mention. RJ, I also <laughs> appreciate the mention. CJ, you, you were a little late to the table. Appreciate the mention. And Steve, I wouldn't expect anything less from you. But seriously, I do appreciate everything that you've done, Steve, by bringing this to the table every week. It is a blast and a lot of fun. But I'm still going to give the point to Eric Brewer. When did we get Carlos Reyes as a judge here? This is... Hey, calm down over there. I'm going to take your point and give it to CJ. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next up. Um, for a wholesaler trying to scale within a local market, what are the most important relationships? Respectfully start us off there, EB. What you got? So I think this changes from time to time. We're putting a big effort behind right now um real estate agents attorneys and i think property managers are often overlooked sources of deals we talk a lot about um for us um as wholesalers we see a lot of advantage with people that are we'll call frustrated landlords well every frustrated or most frustrated landlord i know is frustrated because of a property management issue so we've put a lot of energy behind those relationships i put up a post the other night might have had two titos and sodas and had a little buzz and put up there that I would meet any wholesaler, real estate agent or property manager in my market and buy them lunch or breakfast. And I have, I think I'm booked till like next July um, for breakfast right now. First one was today and got a deal out of it. A guy that's in a market two counties over for me, 25 year old young guy doing virtual wholesaling, came across a half a million dollar house. He didn't know what to do with and turns out it's a good deal for us. So I think those professional referral relationships now are gonna be a little bit more valuable than they were before. There's less inventory and a lot of agents, property managers, these people are struggling to move inventory. Um, it's a great opportunity for wholesalers. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, RJ, what are the uh, relationships for you? It's going to be buyers. I mean, if you take the largest wholesale organization out there, New Western, and what they focus on when you come in as a new employee for them, it is you're going to go establish relationships with buyers, specifically newer flippers in the market. So they're not focusing on the landlords. They're not focusing on the people that are experienced. They're going out. They're establishing relationships with people that want to come in and flip a house, become a real estate investor. Those are the relationships that they're establishing. And listen, you don't need to try to recreate the will if that's what it, the, the biggest and the best is out there doing. I think that's what you need to be doing in your local market. Good insight. Good insight. All right, CJ, what are the important relationships? Respectfully, go ahead and answer that for us. Re respectfully, I don't know if that was a part in the disruption and breaking news announcement that RJ got hired at a new job at New Western, but congratulations. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say agents <laughs> first. All right, agents I think are extremely important. I think casual buyers have left the market. Casual buyers that are here to stay in the market generally are going to do business through agents. Hard money lenders, I think, are great resources right now in the market. They're still they're still extending capital into the marketplace. They're going to have connections and conversations with people who are actually buyers that they're lending money to, uh, and those are great relationships to have. And then full time buyers, you know, so people who buy full time, this is what they do for a living. It's how they support themselves and their family, and they have a multi multifaceted business 
uh, as an investor are people that you want to reach out and have relationships with right now. Those are absolutely great points. Um, Steve, what about you? What relationships are important for you? So I'm going to go a little different here. You know what all three guys are talking about? These are all great answers. They're all about acquiring the assets. And I think that's absolutely critical, right? Um, or dispositioning the asset. I would argue uh, your escrow officer or your closing attorney is also a super important relationship because this is the person that's going to be talking to the homeowner throughout the duration of the transaction, right? We need one that can make sure they get the seller on the phone. Break through the noise is while everyone else is cold calling and texting that homeowner, the escrow officer has a developer relationship to also help you make sure they show up on closing day. And so that person is a reflection upon your company, right? The quality of work that the escrow officer does, or at least how they present themselves, is translated directly to you as an organization. So, you know, it's great sourcing deals. It's great selling deals. But at the end of the day, if the deal doesn't close, all the work was for naught. So I would argue the closing attorney or the escrow officer. So I have a few points. One, I'd like to go back to the previous question and give Steve the worst answer of the year award. Nobody Thank is you. gonna build better relationships with an escrow company to get more deals. Number two, um, <laughs> buyers, which was RJ's answer, um, is actually not people that are attached to acquiring the deal. Steve, buyers are the ones that physically purchase the property from you after you acquired. I added buyers after that. Thank you very much. A little bit, you bought yourself way too late. So another award for you, which is the upside. Downside is you revealed a little bit of your lack of experience or knowledge, maybe a little bit of both, um, but just to put that out there. I'm going to pound the door on my escort company to make sure the deals I don't have because I suck at acquisition club. <laughs> I'm Rudy, so, damn it. Rudy, be nice to me. Yeah, boy. I can see you, Dorn. Are you driving for escrow? Like driving around. Look at that title company. There's a bad roof on it. I'll cold call the escrow. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> so, Aaron, anyway. Uh, the flip side of that is Steve's answer was that bad. And I agree. CJ's <laughs> answer was he literally named off every single person in a transaction and said, That's who you need to build a relationship all. with. Focus on all. Yeah. If you just build a relationship with every single person in your county, you should probably be successful. Great insight, CJ. That was Eric's answer. I have breakfast with no, everybody and everybody. You know RJ. That was Eric's answer. RJ, you're so you're really insightful, man, and I appreciate it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna text my assistant as soon as this is over. Literally as soon as this is over, so we can open up a job here at Charged Up for you to come in and, and help facilitate. Uh, with these just genius concepts and ideas yeah. that you have over there, man. Well, yeah. I think New Western's Titanium Division. There well, you go. I, I, I'm pretty sure that we, you, Steve, were the one that, that proclaimed that New Western was the largest wholesale organization. They have to be. In, in the country, right? They they got to be. I absolutely sure. stated that, but I, was, I wasn't, like, trying to apply for a job while I was talking about it. Right. I'm just explaining to our audience how they can be successful, and hopefully they listen to me and not any of y'all. That's all. I I'm think saying. the technical term you were looking for there was "gawk gawk three thousand. That's what our <laughs> actually went through there. Um, and Steve, if you want to know what that means, I'll explain it to you later. Um, I'm good, thank you. Oh, okay. Um, but, Dang. Uh, technical term would be gawk gawk. Yeah. 
All right, so we heard. I don't think think they got that. I don't think Steve's kids got that slang coming home. Definitely. Uh, I'm good, thank you. So we heard from EB. (laughs) We we definitely heard from Western Titanium Investments over there. Uh, And and Steve's going to novate the escrow officer's uh, building. Um, Love it. Gonna go ahead and um, gonna go ahead and vote for. uh, Mr. Uh, Encompasses over there, um, CJ, who named everybody in the transaction, um, and I'm sure world. that I'm sure RJ is going to complain about my uh, my judging there. And well, that's what happens when you say what you said last go around. So you know, but let me know. Go ahead and send me some titanium swag, and we can get back on <laughs> good terms. Or actually, some new Western <laughs> swag. <if you> want. <laughs> All right. Last question. This uh, is from our audience. Um, Should investors not be allowed to flip houses? And are they causing an inventory crisis? Start us off, CJ. Yeah, I think investors should be able to flip houses. I think flipping houses is instrumental to the, the economic landscape. I think it's extremely important. I think people need quality housing. And I think aside from builders who have, you know, a stronghold on the market, I'll say that in different ways, because a lot of people quickly identify a lot of times with new construction. I, I would argue, quite frankly, that a lot of renovated products that I've built, I probably a lot of people up here have built, are in better shape and quality than a lot of new construction production homes that you see people put up and really go after very quickly. So I think it's an important part of the economic landscape, uh, but don't, don't forget that affordable housing is important. I think there should be initiatives that are in place in different markets for that. Uh, but yeah, you need flippers in the market for sure. With a second to spare. All right, Steve, what are your thoughts on this uh, controversial subject? Well, I don't think it's controversial, right? I think that whoever brought this up, uh, the, the agitated, this whole situation just doesn't understand how the world works, right? Like they believe that maybe housing should be free or, or whatever. Uh, but if we don't allow flippers to flip houses, then it's left on regular homeowners and we're assuming that regular homeowners can flip houses to a caliber degree that's you know competent. But like if you look, if you listen to, I would say maybe like one out of every five or six episodes of Real Estate Disruptors, when we asked like what was the biggest failure, it's like I trusted a contractor, right? Like that is a common issue. So believing that a homeowner can vet a contractor, can get a loan to do the work in a timely fashion, where it's not constantly disrupting their 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 lives i think is a is um is unrealistic so i think that if we don't have people flipping houses then all we're going to have is a is is inventory or or homes that are going to be in massive disrepair in a relatively consistent basis very good analysis um eb what you got for us I think this topic becomes uh, a point of contention for most people, not because of flippers, but because of hedge funds or people that buy and hold. Because every house that a flipper buys is back on the market if they did a good job in the next 60 to 90 days. And a lot of the equity that we create is by our ability to be able to manage construction. We're, we're doing $40,000 worth of repairs that increases the value by, say, $100,000. So even if that that property was made available um, to a homeowner, there, there wouldn't be a significant amount of savings if they bypass the house flipper, right? Like our, our equity and profit is generated by our ability to be able to get construction done at a reduced cost. And that's how we're making profit. 
So I don't know that the homeowner A would even be able to achieve the same total investment if they did the renovations themselves. It might They might be upside down in the house if they tried to do it. Uh, to Steve's point, most people don't know how to manage construction. Um, it's the, the, the nature of relying on unreliable people. So to think that that inventory that flippers are buying would somehow magically show up in the retail market for consumers to purchase, I just don't believe is the case. So most people that have a problem with investors is because they'll buy and hold homes forever. These hedge funds, those homes might never make the market. They might never come back up for sale again. That's where I think most people have a problem. That that's a that's a really good analysis, Eric. It really is. Um, RJ, what are your thoughts on this uh, topic? Eric, you want me to do it? Yes, let's do. It. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. I mean. I understand where this question is coming from, where they think that because we're making profit off of the flips, that we're inflating prices, but it's still selling for fair market value. There are checks and balances in place, which is the appraisal process. Licensed appraisers going out and saying, yep, this is fair market value. Saying that a homeowner is going to take some of the most god-awful situations that we walk into i mean you just take for example the house that i just did on on a and e which was littered in cat piss and and poop everywhere and the fact <laughs> that the, the remediation that was necessary where we had to rip all of the drywall all the way down this side, basically do a complete new build do you think that a homeowner hey how are they going to finance that how are they going to be able to know what to do? The facts of the matter are, you can't handle the poop. You can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many jobs RJ's got, man, but he's got he's to gotta be a lobbyist for the flipping community at this point as well. I've, I've never seen somebody go so hard for flippers just now. I mean, that was, that was good. That was good. That yeah. was good. He was getting in, he's getting in a flame war on TikTok. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. So listen, here's another thing. It goes outside of just the flipping, though. And to Eric's point, I, I do think that it, it's also the landlord situation. Uh, some of the concerns that I've seen about this topic is, is that affordable housing is just not available anymore because the investors are buying all of the affordable housing. I think that's more of the topic. But I think all of us feel like that's not the case. Um the the housing prices are going up for a lot of other reasons besides us driving the prices up and i think that's the biggest concern so as investors how do we educate the the masses that we're not the reason why prices are being driven up but but rj hold on though real quick would you not agree also though that in warm and hot markets as flippers we do drive the market right so like if if all four of us were doing a flip in the same neighborhood and you just finished your flip and you got two hundred thousand. I'm likely going to what? If, if we're in a warm or hot market, I'm not going to price okay. up at 200000 I'm probably going to go appraisal, The appraiser and the buyers dictate the value, not whatever you want to list it for. So to RJ's yeah, point. Come on, man. You know, look, come on. 2013 to 2000 or 2020, did you have appraisal issues when you were pushing price on properties? In the same, if you did houses in the same neighborhood. Not, not many, no. There, there were not that's many. That's what I'm saying. That, that didn't really occur. It only starts to occur really to what y'all are saying in that way in a downward market. But CJ, but 
the homeowners have the ability to still go out and buy affordable housing. We're not buying every single house on the block. There's still distressed properties that are listed but by RJ, yeah, yeah, they yeah, they can, but they can't get affordable housing that's quality. They can get affordable housing that may still need cosmetic repairs. You ever, you ever seen updates. one of Eric's rehabs? Well, I mean, he's in PA. He's like in the middle of nowhere PA, bro. I mean, of course, where he's at, you're gonna you're gonna have lipstick on a pig type of stuff going on and all that. I get that. I get that. I'm okay. what, what, but what I'm talking about more so is people that are providing shout out to EB, all right, quality renovation products. At the end of the day, man, you can't sit here and tell me that it doesn't push market and that there that people who are in the market for housing are looking for the, the, the house that hasn't been updated since 1980 that's got good bones. People want stainless steel. That's why we put them in there when we flip them. So so you want... You're, if, what you're, you were, if what you're saying was the case, when you went to flip a house, you wouldn't put all that stuff in it to push the price up. Well, absolutely. But that doesn't make the difference between affordable and unaffordable. It just makes it more expensive. So I think what we're saying is affordable. What, what we're saying is distressed is the only affordable. No, I don't is think distressed is the only affordable. That's not. I don't think that's what RJ is saying. I think he's saying that's an affordable option. I don't. Yeah. Think, I don't think he's that's saying that's I the only buy, affordable. When I bought my first house, I bought a house that needed a little bit of work. Yeah, but we I'm also know that that's either. not how consumers think anymore. I, I get your point. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying that consumers, I don't think, thinking that way anymore. Why is the apartment industry? So, so booming right now in the last five to 10 years. Why? Because people want stainless steel. They want granite countertops. And they want yeah. nice cabinets and floors. That's the truth. And so when people right. go house hunting, they're looking for the exact same things. But why, well, then, why is that a problem? If, I don't, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not that, saying that's a problem. You have to go to the neighborhood that has that at the price that you I'm can not, afford. I'm not saying it's a problem. I'm saying that it doesn't create affordable housing. That's all I'm responding to that point. Create, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's. I mean, they, they could still buy something affordable. It's just not going to have stainless steel and granite countertops, but it never has. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying that's not what consumers want. That's all I'm saying. I think we're creating a product that a consumer wants, right? Not a, uh, not a person that wants affordable housing, but we're creating products that the market demands, the marketers requested, right? We can see what the, they were selling for. That's why we create those products, right? So... I mean, I think uh, uh, the the person again that you know RJ was having a flame war with. Uh, there's this elements of society where profit's a bad word, right? And I think that is kind of where uh, these these problems exist. So, so like I'll, I'll uh, there's a, there's a program we just got signed up with. It's called NCST. I would encourage you to go out and look at it if you're a flipper, a wholesaler, an investor, whatever. I had to go through about a six month onboarding program, and basically what it is, it's National Council of Stabilization, something trust, right? And every, uh, let's say like FHA, HUD, Fannie Mae back loan, they give the, the people that are authorized inside of this product um, to be able to buy a property. And then I think like to CJ's point, I have to be able to sell that property or rent that property at or below the median price. Right. So I have to renovate it in a manner that maybe instead of doing $70,000 worth of renovations and pushing the ARV, I have to renovate it to, to a, a, a way that would pass an FHA VA appraisal, but also has to be able to be sold for at or below the median price. So it's a great source of inventory for me. It's a government backed program that brings me exclusive, basically off market 
foreclosures, but I have agreed in advance and they audit all of this that I have to renovate it and sell it at or below the median price, which should be affordable and still is in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I think in parts of Phoenix, they'll uh, take certain neighborhoods, eminent domain it, right? They're going to pay it whatever it's fair value for the homeowner, I mean, or debatably fair value, right? Sell it to a developer or investor at below what, you know, they should be able to sell it for. And we're able to create affordable housing in that manner. I think that's what Eric's talking about. So it, it is. It's uh, here in Arizona, it's Newtown Community Development. Um, sold several of those homes, and it it's exactly what Eric just described. Hey, Potter, let, really... let, me, let me respond real quick to Jim T in the no. comments about gentrification. No. All right, it's a touchy t- <laughs> subject. Look, I'm not hostile towards gentrification. I think gentrification is a matter of life. I think it's a matter of evolution. There's nothing that you, Jim T., myself, or anybody else is going to do to ever stop the occurrence of gentrification, but how we respond to it and how we provide housing for people is important. Uh, I mean, I'm simply just talking about quality of housing. I think everything everybody's saying is correct, but I don't have an issue with gentrification. I, I do. I build and sell really nice houses, generally top of market. So don't get this misconstrued. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm still saying that there's still a need for quality, affordable housing, similar to what Eric is trying to provide by being in this program that there is a need for it across the country. We just had a conversation about this two weeks ago on this show, right? That there is a need for it, especially in these larger metropolitan areas as well. So there's, there's, I don't have an issue with gentrification. I think it's great, but how we manage it as people that are involved in the process of it matters too. Yeah. I, I, want to go to I just want to housing. point out, uh, if you were wondering, if you are on, if, if there's a little bit of communication and you end up on the short end of the stick, Chris would call that misconstrued. That means <laughs> you you got the bad end of the deal there. So don't, don't go out and get yourself in a fixer upper and end up misconstrued because that'll really leave a mark. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, if you want affordable housing, you just got to live in York, right? That's You just got to go to York, PA. It's go affordable housing. Yeah. 45 minutes to Baltimore. <laughs> Uh, you know, all right I gotta, I so i i clearly let that one run a little bit longer than I anticipated main reason was everybody was coming with very very great points that being said i am going to award it to eric and i'm going to tell you guys why because he is the one that actually answered the second part of the question which is causing the inventory crisis um nobody else seemed to touch on that but favoritism yeah uh, clearly not and but on an unrelated note minus three points for steve <laughs> Um, that being said, our winner this week is Eric Brewer and his shiny head with the camera angle. Um, real quick, uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and outro everybody over here. We know that EB has a, you know, uh, he's got to get back on the clock in about three minutes. All right, go, go ahead and lead us off, Eric. Go ahead and say bye to the people. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, by the way, it might be my first win. So I feel it uh, is. like the need, maybe you didn't have to point that out. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, that makes, uh, I think I have one more than Alvin, Steve, we were tied. Uh, I'm now ahead by one. Um, but no, I appreciate it. This is good conversation, really good questions again this week. So appreciate everybody's time and energy, the comments and questions that come through the chat and, and, and the viewers. Um, the better the questions, I feel, the better the show. Um, today was a really good example of that. Um, appreciate the opportunity and look forward to continuing my winning ways next week against Tom Brady, Wayne Gretzky, and Rudy. <laughs> <laughs>
you forgot Kobe as well. Real quick. Uh, you don't normally beat Kobe. That's why I left it out. Yeah, sore subject. Um, <laughs> that that being said, RJ, go ahead and say bye to the people. Yeah, congratulations, to Eric. Uh, super proud of you, man. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, super proud of you. Um, also, just real quick, just want to give a couple of uh, uh, lessons on words that we do use and we don't use. Uh, just like we don't say master bedrooms and master bathrooms, we say primary bedrooms and bathrooms. We don't say gentrification anymore. We say revitalization. I learned that I'm on a nine to five, and that's my outro. <laughs> is, that, is that one of those new critical race theory topics they've been coming out with? CJ, go ahead and revitalize this outro for us. <laughs> Chris Jefferson, man, the Charged Up University, man. If you know where to find me, look, hit me up on IG. Catch you there. Congratulations to Eric, by the way, on the win. Thank yeah, you. We're, Shiny. We're, we're all extremely happy that uh, Eric, Eric got himself a win. Steve, go ahead and say bye to the people. Like I said earlier, right? Best rising star. Like he won his first show. Like he just proves my point. I should have won that round. Uh, and also, I just want to <laughs> applaud everybody really for ending on time. Like that's never happened before. So thank you. Good work, everybody, all around. Thank you guys all for watching. All right. Thank, thank you, everyone, for joining us for PTD. As always, go ahead and hit that like button, subscribe, share with a friend, a family member, um, maybe send it over to, you know, I don't know, get it all the way to Joe Biden. Let's go ahead and have him in on the show. <laughs> As always, we really enjoy you guys tuning in. We will see you next week, 1230. We'll make sure that we're not on time then.